Amen. Well, it's the last Sunday of the month, so kids, come up here uh, this morning as we uh, talk about Palm Sunday. I've got my pillow, so we can take a nap, maybe. All right. Are you ready? Well, thank you for having for for waving the branches around in church. So that was awesome, right? And so today is Palm Sunday, like the day we remember that Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the back of a giant monster truck. No, a donkey. A donkey, right? Not a monster truck? No, okay, okay. Jesus rode on the back of a donkey, right? And those branches that you had, people were waving them, but they were also throwing them on the ground, right? So that the donkey and Jesus could ride over them. It was like kind of like a red carpet. Have you seen like a red carpet like at the movie things, right? They were laying out this like carpet of, of, of palm branches and they were waving them. They were yelling out like, God save us. And the book of Mark has, has an account where he says that they didn't just wave their palm branches and lay their palm branches down, but they laid their cloaks down, right? How many of you have a cloak? I do. Oh, you kind of do? Yeah. Do you wear cloaks to school? No. We don't have cloaks today, do we, right? We have coats, right? But back then, like, a cloak was a big deal. So if I took my suit coat off right now, which I won't because somebody turned the heat on this morning and I was kind of sweaty. That's too much information. But if I put it on the ground, right, would you walk on my suit coat? Yeah. Yeah, some of you would. My own daughter would, right? You could walk on my suit coat. Yeah, would it feel weird to walk on my suit coat? Yeah. Like, how important is this coat to me? Do I wear this every day? No. Mm. Usually wear the pink one. Oh, my pink one. Okay. <laughs> All right. No, I don't wear this. It's not that important. But back then, right, the cloak, their cloak was so important that most of the time it was what they covered up with at night. How many of you have, like, a blankie? You getting a little too old for a blankie? Yeah, you got a blankie. Or how many of you have a pillow? Good answer, right? So if I took my pillow down here and I had you walk across it, can you walk across my pillow? Go for it. Walk. There you go. Everybody, walk across my pillow. Is that weird? You're walking on my pillow. Yeah, is that weird? How many of you have walked on a pillow before? Okay. <laughs> right? Is this, is this pillow important to me? Yeah, do I use this pillow every day? As much as possible, right? Every night I use this pillow, right? This is important. And so the people, as Jesus was coming in, I love their heart because they were all in at that moment. We'll talk about what they did later, right? They didn't make the best decisions. But at that moment, like they were all in, that they would lay everything down, even the thing that they laid on at night, like the thing that protected them, the thing that they used and wore every day, they laid in the streets so that Jesus could walk across it. And they shouted, Hosanna, which means God save us. Do you think that we should kind of be that kind of people that lay everything out for Jesus? Good, yeah, let me give you a hint. Yes, right? We're in church, so it's yes, right? And so, yeah, absolutely. God calls us to give everything to him, maybe even our pillows, something that important. Cool? Awesome. Well, thanks so much for helping us uh, in service today. You can go back and sit with your family. All right, I love you. Go. Awesome. Thank you guys for waving sticks at church. 
Well, church, as we come to Palm Sunday, I want to read to you John chapter 12, um, what we've been talking about uh, here in this, in this account. Um, we won't stay there, but hear this. John chapter 12, verse 12. The next day, the great crowd had come for the festival, heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, which is God save of us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel, right? That image that we have in our mind, that something that we come around to every single year around this time, that, 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 that moment of Palm Sunday, incredible thing happens where Jesus comes into the city of Jerusalem. Now this year when I read this verse, like instantly an image came into my mind, uh, something that I've seen many, many times before, uh, and this is at the World War One um, uh, monument and museum in Kansas City. And so when we lived in Kansas City, we like went there often. Like we even took like baby Jojo to the World War One Museum, which is weird. I know we're weird. I apologize. Right? We would go there, but this is like the, the dedication of this World War One uh, Liberty Memorial site um, right after 1921. So the war, Great War ended in 1918. And so right after the war, this dedicated place, they raised incredible amounts of money and they placed it here. And all these commanders were there together for the first time. And it was a big deal. 21, 1918. So we could say it's the biggest deal of the time everybody who was anybody who was close came to this the buzz was in the air and that picture is supposed to have over a hundred thousand people in it right a huge place and imagine meeting together to celebrate and to remember and to be a part of that like the buzz is in the air and so too in our passage in Jerusalem that the buzz is in the air. People are excited, right? Jerusalem, I normally had about 80 to 100,000 people like normal residents. Uh, but then uh, Passover came, like commanded by God to come to celebrate Passover. So all of God's people gathered from near uh, and far, and they descended onto to Jerusalem. So think about like the biggest tourist town in the world, right? They come, and some even say that it was like three to four million people would come. The population would swell to that size. I think they're exaggerating. It's the internet, right? But it was huge. It's a big deal. They would come to this place. And so the buzz is in the air, right? And Jesus is here. And we have this image of, uh, of laying down the palms and, and from Mark laying down the cloak and, and, and being a part of that processional. But we know, and every time I look at it year after year, I look at this time where I, where I see and we see that, that obviously that something went wrong, right? Somebody missed something along the way. You see, back then, uh, those kind of processionals were, were, were something that was a part of culture. In fact, some say that on the other side of town, uh, a war hero was coming home, and they were having a, a similar kind of processional, but it was different than Jesus because Jesus wasn't a war hero. Right? And these were God's people, and they are here crying out for God to save them. They've heard the things that God had done. They heard the things that Jesus was doing and the power that he was illustrating. So they say, come and save us. Like, we want a king. We want to finally get that Roman monkey off of our back so that we can be free again, right? 
Like it's like one of those like strong ones, like take over, we've got this, like we will follow you anywhere, kind of like a brave heart, like, you know, like that kind of image, right? Like it's this without the blue paint, right? It's like the freedom, like we just want it, we can taste it, we can feel it. We're going to be a part of it, and it's going to happen right now. And then we see that they missed it. That God was going to come through Jesus to be the conquering king, but not in the way that they had seen. Not in the way that they had, they, they had expected. Not in the way that they had hoped. And so they missed it, and we know that they missed it because their hosannas quickly turned to crucify him, right? Something went awry. Something was amiss in this place. Have you ever missed it? Right? How many of you have ever missed it? You ask my wife, I never miss it. I'm always 100% correct, right? Yeah, we've missed it. Like we, we expect something and we think we know the outcome and we think we know what's going to happen and what's next. And then we get to that place and it didn't happen the way that we wanted it to happen, right? Have you been there, right? And we, we, we come to this place and, and if you're, you're normal, I guess you say, um, you always look back and you say, what went wrong? Right? And you replay the situation in your head over and over and over again, and you ask the question, what happened? And so when we look at this, I ask the question over and over again, how did they miss it? What happened? I, I don't know much, but I know this. Jesus doesn't want you to miss him. Like, Jesus just doesn't want you to miss him. In fact, this is the saving action of God, the account of God's saving action in our world and in our life. And over and over and over again, you'll see the extension of God's hand, the extension of God's saving action, the extension of God's grace on behalf of humanity over and over and over again because God doesn't want you to miss him. Right? That God wants the, 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 the fullness of his glory, his presence, and his power to be made known by you. And so when we look at this, we have to ask the question, why did they miss it? And so when I ask this question this morning, when we look at this, I want to ask the question of how can we step into this Holy Week? This is the start of our Holy Week as we go towards Easter. And how can we prepare our hearts in our minds, what are some things that we're to, to remember and to call our attention to as we walk through this week, as we walk through this, this time that, that will be difficult on Friday night, as we remember the crucifixion and as we celebrate on Sunday morning, what are some things that we need to, to recognize and we need to have forefront in our mind? And so we're going to do something a little bit different. We totally went against Pastor Stephanie's preaching schedule. So don't tell her, right? Um, but we're going to take your Bibles with me, and we're going to turn to John chapter 11. We're going to look at what happens before Palm Sunday, what leads them into Palm Sunday, uh, a story that maybe you've heard uh, a couple um, different uh, times before. But uh, a couple of things we need to know as we step into the story. We've been in the book of Mark, 
And Mark's different. Mark is full of what we call the messianic secret, which means that every time Jesus heals somebody, he tells them to be quiet, right? So I'm going to heal you, but you need to like just go home and don't tell anybody until the, the end. And then they start to tell people, right? But that's not the case in Mark or in John. So Mark, it's kind of a secret. In John, Jesus is arguing with the religious leaders. In fact, it's, it's not a good situation as we step into this, as Jesus is about to get stoned, right? Like, it's serious. Like, they're going to they're gonna kill him right there in the street that it's going to happen. Verse, uh, John chapter 10, verse 39, uh, a favorite verse of mine. They tried to seize him, Jesus, but he escaped their grasp. Right? Jesus is slippery in this moment. He gets away. Obviously, it wasn't supposed to happen that way. But Jesus is here. It's in a time of, of great turmoil as people are already after him. And then we come to John chapter 11, verse 1. So church, hear the word of the Lord this morning from John chapter 11, verse 1. It says this. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and his, and his, uh, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. And so the sisters sent word to Jesus, "Lord, the one you love is sick." When he heard this, Jesus said, "The sickness will not end in death." No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. The word of the Lord this morning. Thanks be to God. Now, something really interesting here in verse 4, where Jesus declares that this sickness will not end in death. Right? This sickness will not end in death. And then he continues, No, it is for the God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. And so when we look at that, when I looked at that this week, I'll think about it a little bit different because it's weird. Right? It's, a weird, it's a weird sentence. It's a weird thought. It's a weird idea. But think about it as, as foreshadowing. It's as if Jesus is saying, now whatever comes after this, whatever comes out of this is going to come out because it will bring glory to God and God's Son, which is Jesus, right? So from this point on, like wake up. Like from this point on, something good is going to happen. From this point on, God will be glorified, meaning God's power and God's presence will be made known. That's the glory of God. God's power and God's presence will be made known uh, among his people. This is what will be revealed because of all of this. And this is what you're going to see. And this is what you're going to experience. So wake up. And right away we see and we know that God can use sickness to reveal his glory. Right? God can use sickness to reveal his glory, to reveal his power, and to reveal his presence among the people. A couple Wednesday nights ago, we were talking in youth group about the instance where Jesus is on his way down the road, and a lady who was bleeding for 12 years, I believe, who was bleeding in sickness, who was cast off aside by the people, who was kind of an outcast, Jesus is walking crowded down the road with tons of people that were following. And this lady reaches out 
and she touches the hem of his robe. She touches his clothing, and what happens? Do you remember what happens? She's healed, right? Like instantly she's healed, and so instantly we recognize God's power um, has happened. It says, and I always, I have a great imagination, so it talks about how you felt that his power had left him. Right? And so I could go into that all the time. But he felt his power left him, and instantly his power is revealed because this lady is no longer ble- bleeding. Like this lady is healed after all this time in sickness. She's healed. His power has been revealed. But what happens next is pretty incredible. As they're walking down the road, he feels his power leave him, and he asks his disciples, like, who touched me? And it's the disciples that love their response. They're like, well, everybody's around you like everybody touches you right like everybody's here like we are crammed and walking down the street like this is our culture like jesus come on like we're we're packed in here like every like you just touched me like everybody touches everybody but jesus stops right and rather than just going on and going about his business jesus stops and he asks the question like who touched me And he finds this woman who's this outcast who's been pushed to the margins of society because of her condition. And he stops and he he spends time with her and he talks to her. And now his presence is made known, right? It wasn't just about the power. now, Now he brings in his presence. His presence is made known to her. His power is revealed. His presence is revealed. The glory of God is revealed as he walks down the road. We know that God can use sickness to reveal his glory, right? We can be healed and God's glory is revealed. But we also know this, that sickness can blur our ability to see God's glory, right? Sickness, when we're sick, we don't feel good when something outside of us has broken us or we're in this place that's not very good. Uh, things can, can blur our ability to see. I don't know about you, but I have a pretty uh, vivid imagination that can always uh, predict and look ahead, not for what's right, but what, for, for what will go wrong, right? Like mental like holes that I have this incredible ability to dig, right? That we recognize that sickness can blur our ability to see God's glory, can blur our ability to see that God is present or, or to see God's power in that moment or at that time. So it can help us reveal God's glory, but it also can blur our vision and our ability to see it. So how do we navigate it? Like, how do we see God's glory, His power and His presence revealed in life when things are broken, when things aren't the way they should be? when we find ourselves sick or, or in a bad place uh, in life. And so let's keep reading and see what, the, what we need to remember in times like these from somebody who's going through it. So we, we know whatever happens now will bring about the glory of God so Jesus may be glorified. And verse 5 and 6 says this, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. I think the first thing we have to remember is that God is loving. Right? You say, oh, well, congratulations, preacher. Like, I learned that in VBS when I was two, right? No, we've got to remember, especially in these times where, where, where things are not going right and things are, are, are not as good and we're sick or, or somebody's dying or you name it, fill in the blank, God is 
loving. How do we know that Jesus loves uh, Lazarus and, and her sister and his sisters? How do we know? It says it, right? It's not a trick question. It says it. It says that Jesus loves them. And, and we know from uh, past accounts like Luke 10 um, that Jesus has interacted with them. This isn't the first time. A- anytime he goes around this place, he stops with these people. He loves them. He's lived life with them. He, he's, he's had these worship experiences with them and the perfume and the, and the hair and the, the beautiful thing. And he loves these people. It's no, there's no doubt about it. The Bible tells us so that's the song right but (laughs) but then you ask the question verse six if you're like me and you read verse six you've got some questions it says this so when he heard that Lazarus was sick he stayed where he was two more days when he heard that Lazarus was sick he stayed where he was two more days and we had to ask the question like who does this Right? Like, who, who, who does this? Like, he finds out his good friend's sick, the one that he loved, and he finds out this information. The messenger has come, has delivered the message. He finds this out, and then it says that he stayed where he was for two more days. It doesn't really feel loving, does it? It doesn't really look lovely, like the most loving thing to do. You'd think he'd call the closest Uber and he'd get there as fast as possible, right? Like that's what you do when your friend is sick. And that's what you do when there's somebody that you love. You, you, you get there as fast as possible. But we understand in life that there are some things that don't always feel loving or look loving, but they are loving. We've got to remember that God is, is, is loving. These things that, 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 that don't really feel loving, but they are loving. For example, if I ever said these words, or if you've ever said these words, if you've ever heard these words, you know an example of these. And this is when you get in trouble and mom or dad sets you down on the bed and they say this phrase, it's going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you right? It's a discipline. And when you're a kid, you think, yeah, right. It's going to hurt me, right? It's going to hurt my backside. This is not going to be, how's it going to hurt you? Right? You've got to, it's not going to hurt you. That's not the, that's not what it is. And you think to yourself, this is not the case. But when you get older and you become a parent, you, you, you see things that your kids don't see, right? When you're a kid, all that you care about is that you want that candy, or you want to do that thing, or you want to, you want to, you want to, whatever, you name it. Goodness, the list goes on and on. You want to go your own way, or have your own stuff, or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But when you're a parent, you see what that might lead to. If you think you're going to get candy every day, or whatever, you know that that's going to lead to an unhealthy habit when you get a little older. And so we restrict the candy access, and we are treated as the worst parents in the world, right? But we know, we, we see a little bit differently. We see how that might be hard for the parents in the moment to bring about some discipline in a child's life, but we know it's for the, the betterment of them down the road, right? The parents say, amen. All right, maybe I'm on the right track as a dad. I don't know. You have to help me. 
but, but we see differently. And so when we come as children of God, we've got to be willing to believe that the most loving view is not our view, but it's the view of Jesus. It's not our vision and how we see it, because remember, we are people that can get it completely wrong and miss it all so often, but Jesus is one that's got the long-range view, the, the, the different view of life, and so we have to remember, we have to have faith, we have to know that we know that we know that God is loving. The passage tells us that he stayed where he was two more Days We see in this account that, that, and we know that Jesus is loving, but to the people, Jesus is late. Jesus is loving, but to the people, it says that he's loving, he loves them. He loves them, but to the people, Jesus is late. Has Jesus ever felt like Jesus is late to you? There have been those moments in life where you just feel like Jesus is just a little bit late. Like, Jesus, where are you? Like, I'm praying my heart out over here. Like, I need you to act. I need you to move. I need you to know that, that, that you're here and that you're working, that you're doing all these things. But it just doesn't happen like we wanted it to happen. And, and we feel as if Jesus is late. And I've experienced this many times. Uh, but 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 sometimes the most loving thing isn't what I want. I've got this kind of vision of what's going to happen and what needs to happen, but sometimes the most loving thing isn't what we, we want. And in other times, the, the, those waiting periods or the, the, the passing of things or the movement to different things is exactly what we need the most. There are times in life where Jesus has loved me enough to be late, right? That Jesus has loved me enough to be late because if I would have received what I asked for, I wouldn't be the same person I am today, and it probably wouldn't have worked out that great. There are times in my life where Jesus has loved me enough to be late for me. Never had one of those times. Jesus has the, the view of life and eternity that we just don't have. We, we don't have it, and that's okay because Jesus invites us to believe and know that he is loving even in those times where it just doesn't feel like it. It just doesn't feel like there's, there's enough action or enough presence or enough whatever you, 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 you fill in the, in the blank. So, so right there, if we don't believe that Jesus is loving, then we will miss out on the glory of God over and over and over again. We'll miss out on God's presence and on God's power because if you're anything like me, you'll throw your hands up in the air and you'll say, well, it's too late. Right? Well, it didn't happen. Uh, what I was hoping for just didn't happen, and, and that's not what I imagined. And there's nothing, have you ever said this? There's nothing that God can do now. If I'm not careful, I will miss out on God's presence and God's power in my life because I've written it off as not happening the way that I thought it was going to happen. 
As we read this, we have to see how easily Satan can gain ground in our hearts and our minds through difficult times. Like This is the question that started all the brokenness in our world. Remember back in the garden with the snake, the slithery snake, and, and, and the snake comes up and has a conversation with Eve, and essentially what the snake is asking is, does God really have your best in mind? Right? Are you sure that you can't eat from that tree? Does God really have your best in mind? That's a question that, that, that we say that is at the core of our humanity and at the core of brokenness, that we doubt that. We doubt that at times God really has our best in mind, and we ask that question. And that is a moment and a time where Satan can gain ground in our lives as we ask the question, does God really want the best for me? Eat the fruits so that you can see. Remember? We know that that didn't turn out very well. Does God really have our best in mind? So are we, as, as God's children, as God's people, willing to believe that God is loving, that God wants the best for us when we can't figure out what's happening? When we, we can't make sense of what's going on and, and we're, we're kind of in that stage where we're, we're waiting and we're looking for ways forward, we must believe and we must remember that God is love. God is So Jesus hears that Lazarus is sick. He waits two days where he is, and then he starts to head that way. And we'll continue. Uh, We'll skip ahead a little bit to verse 17. It says, On his arrival, Jesus' arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, where all those people were, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Mary heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days. Remember, like we have the privilege to see ahead in the story, right? We have the story for us. But spoiler alert, Lazarus comes back to life in the end, right? In case you didn't know, right? But we've got that story, but, 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 but Martha and Mary and the people that have gathered to help them mourn, they don't have that story. Death is final for us as humanity. Like we we look at death and we just think that is the end and that is, you know, that's it. Like that's gone. Like that's that's it. And so they're in this place and and people have gathered around to to mourn with them, to walk with them through this incredibly hard time. And, And Lazarus has been there for four days, four days in this tomb. And Jesus comes back to this crowd. Jesus comes back to this like funeral gathering where casseroles are in abundance, right? And, and mourning happens and, and there are tears and tissue boxes everywhere. And Jesus shows up on the scene and it says that Martha goes out to meet him. And I bet she did, right? She goes out to meet him and to, and to, and to, and to interact with him, to see him as he, he comes forward. And number one, she knows that he waited. 
right? Like she, she's got to know that he waited, that, that the messenger came back two days ago and Jesus wasn't with him. She knows that he waited and now Lazarus is in that tomb. But to top it off, this lady who knows Jesus, who is loved by Jesus, she loves him. She also knows that Jesus has these like long range healing powers. He's done it before. He didn't have to go to the place. He heals from a, from a distance, and yet her brother still lies in the tomb, and he's been there for four days, and now Jesus shows up. Do you see how easily we can just write it off when things get hard? how easily we can we can look and and pick and and look at all these things that didn't go go right and say oh nothing will happen now nothing will happen at this moment there's there's nothing left god can't do anything about it now we get in this place where we we have the tendency to to run towards missing out on god's glory or the revealing of his power and his presence Martha meets him and she says something that I think we've all said or or something that we've all thought in our lives. Whether you believe in Jesus or you don't believe in Jesus, she says this, verse 21, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Some of your translations say, if only you had been here. If only you had been here, things would be different. And this is a heavy, heavy time. Like you can feel the pain and the disappointment come from Martha's lips. If only you had been here. It's interesting, though. You notice that she doesn't question his power and ability. Right? She doesn't question whether Jesus could have done something or not. She says, if only you were there, if only you would have been here, things would be different. She, didn't, she never says that he couldn't. He couldn't save her brother. He couldn't. That's why she calls on him in the first place, that, that he couldn't do this. She only points out that he didn't do this not that he couldn't it's that he didn't do something to save Lazarus and you can taste that disappointment this place where we come to where we cry out we say I know that you are powerful I know that that you can do anything I learned that at VBS when I was four years old I know that you can move mountains if you want to I know that everything could be different but but it didn't happen And you start to ask the question, are you good? We look at these moments and we see this, especially when the the way that those who don't need to know Jesus talk about it. We we always come to conversations like, how could this happen if if God was good? It's that question of, of, I know you could do something, but something didn't happen. So we ask the question, are you good? good very very difficult place to be so you imagine that the second thing we must remember in times like this as we we head into difficult things that god is good god is always 
And we must, we must believe and know that we know that God is good even in the midst of circumstances that are not good. Right? We know that cancer is not good, but God is. Right? We know that, 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 that broken relationships are not good, but God is. We know that abandonment is not good, but God is. God is good always. But there are these times in life where we all come to a place at some point where we will cry out in desperation or in pain or in frustration or, or not knowing what else to do. And we will ask the question, God, where are you? Like, this is so broken. Where are you? Yeah, I found that, that, that I've been at this place more times, and I've prayed this prayer more times than I can count. When seeing such brokenness or pain or struggle, you just cry out, act God, move God, do something God. Like, bring something about. We want to see your glory. We want to see your power in this situation. We want you to just get after it and make it go away. We want restoration completely right here and right now. And I've met with many of you in crazy situations, in crazy circumstances, to cry out to God to do something. But the more that we step back, we realize that God always does something, but it might not be the way in which we look at it. Like I have been in places where we've cried out for God to do something, and any normal human being would be the most bitter person you've ever met in your life, would be full of anger and rage, and yet God does something, and his presence comes, and there's this weird peace, and there's this, this weird hope in the face of death, and there's this unusual time where God shows up, and it's unexplainable any other way. God's glory has been revealed, not necessarily in his power at that moment, but always in his presence. That God is present. These times where we, we would be in, 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 in an awful, awful shape. God shows up in, in the presence to bring about peace, to, to, to wash over the people present in this extreme pain. God's presence can bring about hope and peace and life and comfort and strength in, in the most broken uh, of situations. Think about it. The first song that we sang, you sang these words, we sang these words together because when we see you, we find strength to face the day. In your presence, all our fears are washed away. God's presence is, is a sustaining thing that calls us forward. It's God's glory revealed among everyday, ordinary people. God's presence. But oh, so how easily I could miss it. I could easily just not see it at all and push God away because things didn't happen the way that I wanted them to happen. 
right? So and so didn't get healed the way that I wanted to get them healed. And, and so I, I pushed God away and, and, and I don't recognize the power of his presence in the midst of brokenness and pain and death. And, and I pushed God away because it didn't happen the way that I had that I wanted to. And I'm, I'm broken and I'm, and I'm lonely and I'm upset and I'm angry. And, and, and just moments before, I'm yelling out, Hosanna, right? God save us. That God acts, God do something. Let God, God make something happen. I'm, I've been at this place, but when it doesn't happen the way that I want it to happen, oh, how easily I come to the crucify him. You're not who I expected it to be. You didn't move how I expected you to move, and so I'm angry and bitter, and, and you can't do anything about it now. Yeah, forever, every time I read this story, I've always thought that these people that lay down the palm branches and then a couple days later they shout out the crucifying that they were just goon balls, right? That they just missed it completely. Like, they just, just, what's wrong with you? But oh, how easily I can move from this place of Hosanna to this place of crucify him when I don't get my way. So as we step into this uh, Holy Week, as we move down this road to a Good Friday, we remember Christ's sacrifice. And Sunday, when we, when we cry out in praise that He is alive, may we remember that God is loving. Loving even when we can't figure out what's happening and, and, and how it's going to happen. May we remember that God is good even in the midst of circumstances that are not. Because we know that Jesus never wants you to miss him. He wants his power and his presence to be revealed in your life. Well, at this time, we have the opportunity um, to respond by coming to the table uh, to participate in communion. And so if you're helping with that, come uh, now. But this is a a practice that Jesus calls us to participate in, to to be a part of as as we will come um, with gratitude and thanksgiving as we remember these very things we're talking about, God's presence in our world and in our lives and God's power in our world and in our lives. Present through Jesus and now the Holy Spirit, power through the conquering of sin and death, the reason that we eat as we will take the body, the bread of Christ, broken for us, and we will receive. And we will dip it into the cup, the the blood of Christ, that we might remember that it was poured out for us. May we remember God's presence and God's power. Well, as you come this morning, know that you don't have to be a member uh, today. You don't have to know some special handshake or anything like that. And we pray that your movement, your physical movement to come and to receive what would be indicative of your heart movement. That you would be a people that are open to God's grace in your life. So come now and receive. Lord, we uh, thank you. We thank you that you are good always good. And Lord, we thank you that you're loving. You have our best in mind, and we don't need to question that. 
Lord, we uh, ask for your presence as we uh, step into this week, but we um, ask that you would uh, continue um, to remind us of these things every time we, we step into a, a hard situation. Lord, may your Holy Spirit remind us that you are good and that you are loving when we um, step into relational problems and we're dealing with them or uh, when our bodies are broken and we don't know how to move forward. May we be reminded again and again of your goodness and of your love. Lord, we thank you for revealing your glory to us, your presence and your power. In Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen. Please stand to receive the benediction, the blessing um, as you go from this place. Extend your hand. Beloved Christ Church, may you go from this place knowing that God is loving and that God is good. May you go in action and go in peace. You are dismissed.